everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. Here with Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers, the first place Sixers. And Tobias, who is having really one of the best all-around seasons in the league, certainly in the Eastern Conference, chasing that rare 50-40-90, from the floor, over 40% from the three-point line, and we're at 86% Tobias at the free throw line, which when you're shooting that well, it's tough to get that number up. You can't miss, right? To get that no, you, 90. Yeah, you can't miss. It's uh, It was funny because I hit the 90 and then Joel came to me and he goes, you're 50, 40, 90. And then I missed the next two free throws and he goes, now you got to make like 40 in a row. And I was like, yeah, you ain't lying. I got to get it back up. So yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the things like going into a lot of seasons I say, like, I want to be as efficient as possible. And a goal is to be a 50, 40, 90 player. So it's a, it's definitely a huge goal of mine. You know, if Joe, did you play baseball growing up, Tobias? No, I did not. I I could see Joel being the guy on the baseball team, the dugout where the pitchers got the no hitter in the sixth inning, seventh inning and going up to him and saying, you know, you got a no hitter going, you know, you're not right. He's that guy for sure. <laughs> uh, well, listen, those are all-star numbers, and those are the kind of numbers, especially on a first-place team. You're, you're going to get more all-stars when you're on the best team. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of conversation in the league right now about this all-star game. You know, we've reported that they're getting, and I think the union has let you guys know that, you know, March 7th in Atlanta, league's finalizing the details. LeBron James came out last night, uh, De'Aaron Fox – you know, publicly, and I think I think some others have been more private in their frustration with it. But what what's your sense, Tobias, about in the pandemic having an All Star game in Atlanta, and how you feel about it, and and how maybe some of your teammates, guys you talk to in the league, feel about it? Yeah, you know, I've I've heard the the chatter around the league about it, and um, now this is a extremely condensed season where pretty much playing every other day, uh, night after night. So, you know, to have, you know, the All-Star game, it wasn't too surprising to hear the news that there was going to be an All-Star game just because it's kind of the way the the deck is already set of, of this type of season, like in a pandemic, testing all the way down the line. So for me, it was just something when I heard about, I was like, okay, well, here we go. It's, really nothing new from what we've been doing this, this whole year. Um, But I also do understand it for a guy like LeBron, who's played in many all-star games, but for somebody like myself who wants to be in the game and wants to play in his first all-star game, I'm also like, all right, where we go? Like, you know, in Atlanta, okay, where are we at? So, and you know, that's how I I, I look at it. Yeah. You're, you're ready to, Sign me up for it. Uh, I wonder just the mental toll, Tobias, that I think guys are feeling this season, not just the restrictions when you're on the road, but now in the last few weeks, having to test every day. And so you have an off day today in Philadelphia, but you've got to go in and do your testing tonight. So at some point, you've got to drive back downtown, right? Or back down, or actually, where do you go? Do you go to the team facility or do you go which is in Jersey, yeah. or you go to the team arena. You go to the team facility, right? Facility, yeah. 
And so you do that in the evening. So how far of a drive is that for you? It's, it's about a 35 minute drive. So, you know, that's like, it, it is a toll. Um, many will sit and say, oh, you guys shouldn't be complaining. It is what it is. But when you really think about it, this is an off day. You know, you don't really, we're playing so frequently. So time with family is important. And, you know, most days we're testing. We are testing twice a day. The only reason why today is just one is because after the game yesterday, okay, we tested. So uh, it, it's like, you know, it's a disruption in the day. But if it's going to keep us safe and, and healthy, as we, we all hope it would, no, I guess it's just one of those things we we kind of at this point have to deal with to to have this season and to play it. How how different Tobias has it been trying to build team chemistry, relationships that you're building with new players that you're building on with a new coaching staff around a season where you really can't be around each other a lot. You can't go out to dinner. Has that been maybe more challenging, or like even when a team has to work through issues, there are always issues. And sometimes you can go out together, you can talk through them at dinner, you could go out, you could blow off steam, whatever it is, and everybody can kind of come back with a fresh mind the next day. Is there, is that part of it been more of a challenge to try to work through stuff on a team? Yeah. Uh, it's, for me, like we were a team last year that if we had a road trip, we were out eating on pretty much every one of those games, you know, night before a game, after a game. We would go out and eat, and it's just a time of, of bonding, like you said, like being able to talk about different things that go on through the course of the season. Luckily, we had some really good success this year, so um, we found a lot of ways to do that, you know, having conversations in the locker room, uh, before a game, after a game, on the bus, being able to communicate. But just that sense of being able to go out to a restaurant and sit down and break bread and enjoy a great meal or a great bottle of wine and have that type of dialogue, I think for sure that is missed. And, you know, you want to have all these great conversations and communications with different guys, but, you know, we are being told to like stay a distance away or, you know, a certain amount of people in a, in a seating area at a time. So I, I definitely think that takes a bit of a toll on, on, on the mental, just the side of like relationships and the togetherness for sure. The season you've had this year, Tobias, and we went through the numbers earlier, the success, the game winner against the Lakers recently, which, you know, certainly was, uh, you know, for a regular season game, you beat them. Uh, they're the defending champions. They're, they're the standard right now in the league. There was a lot of talk coming into the season about, the success you had had with Doc in the season, you ended up coming to Philly in the trade. You were having your best season. Mm -hmm. Is there anything to playing for him, how he's used you, that has impacted the success you've had both with him there in L.A. and now in this 20-game-plus start to this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'll first start off by saying just uh, you know, Doc is a coach that – is always striving for more and the team to never get content and, and to keep on pushing for the level we want to go to. And, you know, I was uh, 
when he first came in, there was a whole lot of chatter about, oh, you had your best year on the dock, this, this, and that. Um, and when I did left, when I when I left LA, I did go from one system to another system. So to be able to be here and dock to implement his system with this roster and this team, you know that that um, has helped my game where we have more structure. For me, it's been easier to get in the flow. Uh, I know where my shots are coming from. Playing more in the pick and roll, which has been always a, a key to my game. And I've always been an in-the-flow type player. So once the team is flowing and we're playing, that has allowed me to play at you know my highest level of basketball. So he's uh, definitely a uh, huge person of impact that's allowed me to play this well this year and to continue to you know, strive to get to where I want to get to and, and the team as well. So uh, 100%. The Undefeated on ESPN Plus offers fans year-round premium content highlighting the intersectionality of race, culture, and sports. Check out new premium storytelling, your favorite ESPN films, and more exclusively on ESPN Plus. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. When you signed five-year, $180 million extension with the Sixers to stay in Philly, how much does, when people see that number and they see the financial commitment and what you're making and and you get judged on that, uh, production is judged on, can be judged on that, how much do you hear that? How much do you, how much did you feel it in the aftermath of signing that deal? Does it, does it, um, does it hang over you when things aren't going as well as you want them to be going at, at different times? Yeah, uh, you know, when I signed a deal, I knew the expectation, and that was to win, to win a championship. And when last year playing on that deal and as a team, when we were um, underachieving, and the expectation is what – how come you're not putting up max player numbers, like 27 points a game, 10 rebounds, whatever. And for me, it was like one of those things where I, I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to adjust my game for numbers so I can please fans. I'm, I'm always going to play how I play. And that is, to do what I need to do for us to win. And after the bubble last year, you know, we, we have a disappointing playoff and I, you know, I, I couldn't even really go on those social media apps without like seeing it or, or hearing it. And, you know, I'm saying it because like it was something I really had to, as a, as a man in person say to myself, like, do you know who you are as a player? And the answer was yes. Like I know how good I am and I know what I'm capable of doing. And the biggest thing was like all summer was the team, your your team has to be number one and you have to be on a, in a situation where you can win a championship and, and the rest will follow itself. And then when doc came along, I was like, okay, now like, we need to get the whole unit together where we can understand that we need to win because I was hearing it. Joel was hearing it. Ben was hearing it. 
everybody down the line. And it all affected us in some way, shape or form. And, you know, we, we all got people that look out for us that probably giving us the same advice, like, Hey, you just got to go do this. And the fan base will get off you or fans around the world will get off you. So, you know, once we, I think like quiet, quiet is kept, like we all had that notion in our head. Like if we win and we're playing well together, people would just look at us as winners and, that's been our attitude this whole year, in my opinion. And I think that's like helped all of us just relax and be able to play. People not worry about this guy making this or that. It's just worry about, hey, like we legit have a shot to win a championship and we feel that every day we come into work. So for me, that was that was really how I just looked at it. Is any of that any easier when you don't have fans sitting behind the bench heckling you, yelling out? Uh, like like because that's a real thing yeah on a night you might not be playing as well like you're gonna hear that right everybody hears that right yeah i would say more more times now like you do hear that on nights you don't play well but being in philly um having fans in the arena is like a big plus for me like when i come in there and i hear those fans and i see like how hyped they are and how energetic and just how like how like serious they are towards their team winning like that fuels me so like not having the fans i sit back at the games i'm just i'm just uh, i'm just saying man we need some fans in here today <laughs> yeah playing with joel this season he has been uh he's been incredible i mean he's legitimate mvp candidate what's different playing with him this season being around him every day can you feel a difference that makes sense of the kind of performance he's been he's been given night in night out? Yeah, there's a there's a there's a trust there between him and myself and everyone down the line. Um, the way that he's been playing is MVP of the NBA. I think night after night, what he's been able to do in a way where he's out there dominating the game and he's brought it every single night that we that we have played and i'm happy for him just because i know he wanted to after last year he wanted to get to, get to this level but he, he also was trying to figure out like how can i get to that level and be effective and my teammates be effective uh after above all i remember us texting and talking and him basically like basically telling me I need you to be who you are for me to be the best who I am. And it was vice versa too. So this year I just see him trusting. I see him having a lot more fun on the, on the court too. And when you're winning, you do have fun when you, when you're losing, nobody has fun losing. Um, So he's playing at that level and I'm so happy for him. I think uh, he's put himself in a great position. He's in, a lot better shape than he, he's been in in the past years where he can go and he can play and he's dominating. When you look back at the bubble, Tobias, was it a fairly miserable – was it fairly miserable for your group, especially as that wore on? It, it just – it didn't seem like obviously getting swept at the end. But of all teams, I it felt like you guys were – you struggled as much as anybody in that environment. Yeah, we were, you know, we were pretty deflated there. From that to the playoffs, 
Ben goes down, and we're playing without our without our point guard. It just wasn't. It was it was like the perfect storm of us just basically crashing and um you know it, it wasn't the best environment for us as well too we we were such a really good team at home playing at home and embracing you know our home crowd and then to go into the bubble where we're losing guys to injuries we didn't have the best chemistry it it, it was tough your career Tobias, you have learned to deal with making adjustments. You've been traded. If you want to include draft night, which you're not really with a team on draft night, but your rights get traded. But, but you know, it depends how you, five, six times in your career. What do you learn about yourself? What do you have to learn mentally to have to keep changing environments? And then how being traded impacts your confidence. And maybe when you're younger, you look at it different than as a veteran. But what's the influence of that been on on you and your career, how you've learned to to handle it? There's been perspective. Um, when I first came in the league, which is 10 years ago, you had more guys staying with teams and playing, you know, some guys playing their whole career uh, in one situation. Whereas now, you know, movement is... It's it's a uh, it's a thing that happens reg- regularly in the NBA. Like th- you know, there's only so many guys that are going to be on one team their whole career. A- at some point, you're just going to get moved, or uh, that a team is going to transition into a new phase. So, my first trade was was hard, but I was actually ready for it when I got traded from Milwaukee. I was like, all right, I want to go somewhere where I can play and and just, you know, be in a good in a good situation where I can showcase. Um I would say my hardest trade was when I got traded from Detroit to LA. I was I was pissed because I was like I was so upset because I felt like I was in Detroit and I was giving my all like in terms of trying to keep the team together, trying to be the most positive person. And I was in a good flow there too, where I was like, man, I'm going to a brand new situation where I really don't know anything about it, or I'm going to the West Coast. You know, I knew how good Doc was as a coach, but I was just like, man, I kind of wanted to, I thought Detroit was a place where I was going to stay and like, Finish my career. I guess that was naive of me thinking at the time. But then when I got to LA, I was like, oh, wow. Like, no, I have extreme confidence in my game of how good I am as a player. And to be able to be traded and go to LA and play the way I was playing and then to go to Philly, it was just basically like the icing on a cake of, hey, it's just an evolution of, of a player in a game. But mentally, the hardest thing in any trade is leaving where you are and like leaving a house or, um, you know, in Orlando, I just bought a house and I was there for two and a half weeks and I left. I was like, I'm the only thing I'm mad about leaving Orlando is my house right now. You know? So that was like, the that was the biggest thing, but they're all situations where you learn and you grow from. And I think now like, like my advice to some young players that are on a trade trade block is 
a trade is not the worst thing for you. Like you may need a new situation, a, a new, you know, a new playing field, or if a team value values you, it it's a it could be a really good situation for you. So I think guys now should be more um, open to it and not look at it as if it's like a, a a downgrade to you. Tune into the Jump weekdays at three Eastern on ESPN, or check out the Jumps podcast, which features exclusive content and is available wherever you get your podcasts. For how well and the kind of career you've put together, Tobias, there would be a lot of people who know you just as much for your relationship with Boban and your friendship yeah. with him. Like I see you start to smile when I even mention his name. Did that relationship with him change, grow, become more important when you went from Detroit to the Clippers with him? Oh uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Because we were like, we were two people with Avery Bradley in the trade, but we were two people in a brand new situation. And um, you know, if you know Boban, he's uh, the nicest guy in the world, but he can be very timid in in new spaces. So I'm like, and I'm also kind of the same way. But when I'm around him, I was like the icebreaker, like yo. Bobby, like, this is cool. Like, this guy is cool. Like, you know, you know, he's our teammate. Like, just, you know, you got to embrace him and whatnot. But uh, when we did go to L.A., that was where we really progressed as from good friends to, like, best friends. And, um, you know, I was just texting today because in my phone, a picture came up where uh, it was like, hey, you guys took this photo two years ago. And then – um I texted to him. He said, that's nice. But brother, can you look at this photo? And he sends me a photo because Kelly Oubre uh, blocked him yesterday. And he said, this is definitely a foul, huh? (laughs) I said, said, no, I don't think so. And he goes, no, it's a foul. And I said, don't ask me what it is if you don't want to know the right answer. (laughs) So we just were talking about that. But that's my guy. Why do you think that your relationship with him resonates with people so much it, t- it it clearly touches people what do you think it is about you two that just seems to land somewhere special with people um i think it's uh i would say his personality of being this humble giant of of a person somebody of that stature that tall but He's just so caring about whoever he's around. Uh, and then me, who's um, like, I look at him and like, there's things that with him that, that I learn about, like myself, you know, like he'll be just like, oh, why don't you want to talk to everybody? And I say, because sometimes I'm just tired. And if I want to walk into a sandwich place and just get a sandwich, I don't have to talk to everybody. And then he'll say, no, you need to talk to everybody and be nice to everybody because you have a mean face. And I say, all right. So then I started talking to people. But I think it's just like when we were able to do the little pilot of, of a show, I thought it was a great opportunity because people got to see who I was outside of like a serious basketball face player. Like, you know, a lot of people say I'm like, an all business type person. So they got to see a little fun and charismatic side. 
and and just him being as funny as he is and you know just goofy giant that he is but also caring i think that's what people really embraced and somebody who's from a totally different part of this world Dimbar, you know not from the united states and then myself like we kind of kick it off i think it's like a, a culture thing too that people embrace with it yeah what's always so amazing to me is especially when you are as big as he is and he's unique in a lot of ways for some you've been around big guys who wish they could just shrink down and not be the focus not be have people gawking at them or not every and you understand why because they dealt with that from such a young age like you said sometimes you want to just be to yourself and for some guys at that size it's almost like you're in you you feel like you're in prison you can't go there's a different feeling about it but boy with him it's it takes a lot of energy and a lot of patience, but he clearly, he does, he said he loves people, but it can't always be great to be gawked at or to be pointed at, or to be, you know, you don't always want to talk to a stranger and yet he does. Yeah. He, he embraces every moment of it. I think it, it, I think it has to do with him and his, his upbringing of where he's from such a small, uh, sm- like small pace population wise and how he's, grown up and has come to this stardom, you know, Bobby wants to be the star. Like, you know, we talk all the time. It's like, I want to be movie star. And I say, I say, yeah, but you know, John Wick whoop your ass. I don't know if you're alive to be a movie star. (laughs) But I, I, I really think that he is a star not not only in basketball court, but off the floor too. Like there's a real career for him to be a star in, let's just say Hollywood, whether it be movies or or down the line, because of his attitude and because of um just how he embraces everybody. He really has that that type of personality to to do that. So he he likes that. And me on the other side, I'm just like. Hey, I'll go with the flow with you. You know, you, you know, I, I'll I'll be your I'll be the person who walks behind you. But you 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 can do all that stuff. Uh, Tobias, you mentioned how he grew up and and his family and you grew up. And I think to me, it's your family. You truly come from a basketball family. Like that is yeah. the Harris's are a basketball family, and you know, even I was talking to Lawrence Frank who. It was the president of the Clippers and loved having you there and talked about just how hard you work at it and three times a day in the off season. And like, and it's the whole family together doing it. Like I hear stories like your mom's out rebounding for you sometimes, yeah. right? Like she's a rebounder in the family at times. Um, I have to believe that when you talk about wanting to believe in yourself and having to go through trades and ups and downs the league is, it is a mental league. It is, it, it wears away, chips away at your confidence. I've got to believe the way that you grew up and the belief that you had around you from your dad, Terrell, who is also your agent, which we'll get to. Um, that's got to serve you pretty well right now because I just seems to me like you've always been surrounded by people who believe in you and tell you that. Yeah. I mean, from, from day one, 
that's always been a, a huge thing. And the belief of family, uh, when I grew up, it was, I have uh, three brothers and two sisters. Uh, so it was a family of competition. We were always competing with each other. And to this day, we're, we're still just competitors, just a little bit more level-headed than we were as, as kids. But, you know, my, my mother was the one that was all about the academics. She could care less about a basketball. And my dad was fully basketball and just, they, the kids need to work hard. They need to play. So it was like the best of both worlds. And I think my, my, my dad's the one who always instilled in us to just work at everything, work at the game, put in, put in the time, put in the hours really. And my mom was the one that was just always like the comforter and the one that was, um, like, what are your goals? How do you want to get them? What is your backup plan? And that was a good balance and a great mix for all of us as kids to understand being young is like those type of tools of working, but also trying to manifest your goals. So we had a great, I had a great mix as a kid of and, and gaining that understanding. What has it been like to have your dad also be your agent? It's been uh, great. Um, just in terms of us making making history, it is really key. I remember when I first decided to, to sign with my dad, a lot of people were just like, your dad's representing you, you know, does he have experience? That's a, it's not a great decision. But uh, my dad's the one who honestly has been a, a big reason why I've been able to be as successful as I am because he's really allowed me to have the confidence to, to bet on myself. Um, I remember when I was in Orlando and we were, you know, it was a rookie extension and they had offered uh, four – um, four year, 32. So it was an 80 year and it was like the last day and they, they weren't budging. So he, he had called me. He said, if, uh, if they did four year 44, would you do it? Um, or four, you know, he said, if they did four year 40, would you do it? And I said, yeah. And he said, why? And then I said, because I, I want a deal. Like I want four year deal. I want, guaranteed money and he said i'm telling you after this year i can for sure get you 13 and above and i was like i don't know if you can get that or whatnot he was like i'm telling you i can get this done so i ended up saying all right you know we'll play the year out and we'll go from from there and we ended up doing that and at the end of summer we ended up doing four years 64 so you know, he, I, I, ended up, I bought him a Rolls Royce after that because I was, that, was pretty good. that was a pretty good return right there. That's a but yeah. Little stories like that are the the confidence that he's had in me, but also the confidence that he's had in himself as being an agent. And and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you're with the Clippers. They come at you with an extension in the eighty million dollar range. Yeah, and. 
to which did, did you, did you blanket that one? Did you think, okay, like that's more than my last one, 64. Um, obviously yeah. it turned it down in the end. So we, so that one's funny because that one actually, we got a little argument over because he like automatically was like, no. And I was like, I was like, you weren't going to review that with me, you know? And the, so then he was like, listen, I've seen you work all summer and I know what you're capable of doing. Like, this is another situation like Orlando. What did I say in Orlando? And I was like, yeah, you're right. And then he was like, I'm going to get you the max. Believe me. And I was like, I, I then proceeded to tell him, they're not giving players max anymore. I was like, they're not going to give players max anymore. He's like, man, just be in the gym working and be ready for next summer and 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 do your thing. So I was like, ah, oh, here he goes again. So then my first day of uh, after you know we signed the deal uh, five one eighty, he was just like, man, they're not giving players max anymore, right? And I was just like, all right, you got this one. So it was. You know, and that's just been the partnership, but it, it it's uh when you have father son and uh you have a father son relationship, but then also um a son to basically you know like we're working together. It's a fine line, and we've been able to just figure out ways that we can always have that father son bond, but still mix that in with basketball and business talk. And um, it, it, it's been really productive, but I think it's it's the way that you have a lot of players who have agents that don't really know. You don't know if they have the, your true best interest, but I know with my dad and um, him as an agent, he has one thing in mind for all his clients, and that is to put them in a position to be successful in, in, in the sport that they play. So, you know, I can only – be thankful of that. There, there have to be points where he's telling you that and you go, okay, is that just the blind confidence of a dad? Yeah. Or are you talking pragmatically as an agent, right? Like you said, where it kind of blurs. Is that is that what you were asking? Like, are, are you yeah. a proud dad or are you really seeing the landscape here? He was right in the end, 100% right. But but was that the question you were asking yourself or asking him at some of those points? Yeah. So there's always um, – whenever I talk with him, I, I've been around him for so long, I can decipher if it's the proud dad or if it's the agent. So just when he starts talking, you know, and I know, okay, it's proud dad. But then when he starts bringing up numbers, analytics, I'm like, okay, here's the agent talking now. So then, this is the person I want to talk to right now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so we have that type of bond. And, and, and like, when we have certain conversations, we talk about other guys just around the league. And, you know, I, sometimes I give him perspective on different guys that are going to be great players just because of their situation and their youth. So we, we talk about – we have open dialogues about that too. No, I remember in your free agency, um, I was confident you were getting that deal with the Sixers done. I felt the last few days, especially once – Felt like Jimmy was going in the sign and trade to it turned out to be Miami. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, when your dad called me and told me the number, you know, I was expecting, I certainly knew it was going to be a $100 million deal, 120, 130, 140. 
and he hits me with five for 180. I said, five for 180. He said, five for 180. And <laughs> it was, uh, um, <laughs> there was no doubt that that was um, holding off in some of those other deals. Like you said, that, I mean, think about that. You turned down 80 million guaranteed for the Clippers and you were going to get a, you were going to get a one in front of that number. Um, yeah. Pretty remarkable. It is. And, um, you know, I, t- I also tell guys when certain guys ask me about that, you know, like how, how can you turn down 80 guaranteed right in front of your face? But I also say, it's, you know, when I signed four years, 64, I did a really good job of taking care of that money where, you know, that, that's a big thing in this game too, is you, you have to, you sign these deals to put yourself in a position to play basketball at the highest level, but to also feed your family and have generational wealth. So you have, there's a responsibility with the capital that you get too. And if you're in a position where you, know, you didn't put yourself in a good position with the funds you had before, maybe you take that deal of, of guaranteed money and knowing it's there. So that was another big thing to it. You've done a lot, Tobias, um, back home in Long Island, um, your foundation there, and you know certainly Philly, wherever you've been. I've always gotten the sense with you that, listen, there are guys who make, who have contracts similar to you, and you, you learn this. The money does not make you happy. And I know people hear those numbers and they go, yeah, I'd like to be that unhappy. And like that comes with it. But there's always been a piece about you and, and the sense of belonging to something bigger than just your team, yourself, your family. And, you know, I think that was the case early in your career before you, you know, when you're on a rookie deal all the way now to having this kind of contract that I think your faith, a uh, lot, lot of factors, um, you, you know exactly who you are and what's important in life. And I think that's why people like having you on their team. You, 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 you're you serious minded about the things that are, are important and, and you, you've kind of translated that away from the court, too. Yeah, uh, you know, um, that's is that's really the ever growing process of us as as people and as humans in, in life is to figure out, you know, things that who we become day after day. So for me, when I I would say when I was in high school, I was just like, man, I got to get to the NBA because. I want a brand new car. I want a house. You know, I want to be able to eat good. I want to be able to have nice clothes. And you know, once I got here and I realized, wow, I got those things. Um, do those things necessarily make you happy? No, not really. I mean, in the moment, it's a it's a great feeling, but it's a, over for me. It's been all about overall being, and I find my greatest joy when I'm able to be able to help out others and be able to just spread the light that I myself has found from different situations and experience in my life. So I was um, talking to my fiance the other day and I was telling her, I said, like, I love basketball and I'm going to play this game until I can't anymore. But when I'm done playing basketball, I was like, I'm going to do even greater things off the floor that is going to be able to impact and, and help others. And that that's just my, always 
been my perspective since I've gotten in the NBA and been able to figure out over time who I'm becoming and and who I want to be at, at, at some point. So the game is the game has taught me so much about myself. Trades have taught me about myself, about life in general. So I just embrace those things and you know I try to tell all these guys in on my team around the league, I was like, you you only have the present moment right now. And day after day you have to em- embrace that moment and and love it. And you know, find find who you are throughout throughout these days. So that's just how I look at it and that's how I kind of generate my day-to-day in my life. Well, Tobias, I appreciate you taking out this much time on a on a day off. I, I hope when this pandemic is over and we can get back to games, I will see you maybe at a uh, with your sister Tori. Yes. At a St. Bonaventure yeah. women's game, maybe a game at St. Joe's or LaSalle. And when you can go to games again, as as people may or may not know, your 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 younger sister Tori is a star guard at St. Bonaventure and you know, she's going to get a degree from uh, the finest, finest school in the land. So, so I've heard it's the finest school in the land. That's what she tells me. So the Harvard, the Harvard of Southwest New York state. There you go. Now, Tobias, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Hey, listen, good luck uh, getting into that all-star team. We'll let the voters know out there. Um, you are not going to have to ask Tobias Harris twice to get on a plane and go to Atlanta. Did we, did we nail that down today? We nailed that down for sure. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tobias. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, Philadelphia 76ers forward, Tobias Harris. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to also listen to The Low Post with Zach Lowe and The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. We'll catch you next time. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.